Welcome, I'm Doug Morgan, and you're listening to Uncommon Sense, where we hunt for the truth in the topics you're not supposed to talk about, Christianity and politics. Here on the podcast, we like to bring you the news from around this country and really around the world that you may or may not have heard about if you're particularly not listening to propaganda media. (laughs) And many times you may not have heard about them because they affect or at least interest Christians. If, If a news outlet covers too many stories, for instance, that are not woke or a part of their liberal narrative, well, they lose credibility among their leftist friends, and we can't have that now, can we? <laughs> they might even get canceled or not invited to the next social party. Oh, no. This goes for celebrities as well, actually. If they're not using their platform, as they like to say, to promote the latest woke trend, then maybe they shouldn't have a platform at all, is kind of the thinking. So many shy away from talking about these stories or working on projects that are not sufficiently woke. Not everyone is this way, though. We will continue to bring you discussion items as long as we are allowed to. We've made that commitment to you. And if you like what we do, well, please tell a friend or two and encourage them to listen as well. But in a series of articles from the Daily Wire, we see that there are those on the celebrity side of things, that are not afraid of the woke mob as well. Kelsey Grammer has been making quite a a, a comeback lately, actually, with a a new faith-based movie just blowing up the box office and an upcoming Frasier reboot on Paramount Plus as well. The 68-year-old actor takes on the role of the late minister Chuck Smith, uh, in a Jesus Revolution movie. Um, the the movie centers on Pastor Greg Laurie, uh, then a young man who experienced a spiritual awakening under Smith's guidance. And it deals with the true story of the national spiritual awakening of the early 1970s and its origins within the, a, a community of teenage hippies in, the, in Southern California. And this is according to the, the news release by Christian uh, Headlines. Now, Grammar is is joined by um, the chosen star Jonathan Rumi uh, in, in a in the upcoming movie, and 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 Rumi plays uh, kind of a hippie uh, preacher, Lonnie Frisbee, who uh, Smith meets uh, Frisbee, uh, who um, uh, re- uh, reinvigorates really the the, the minister's uh, faith and his church, both. Directed by John Irwin, the film has resonated with moviegoers, with producers, um, King, Kingdom Story Company, announcing an additional release in time for the second weekend. The, the, this is according to the, uh, the Washington Examiner. And the film is now playing in more, get this, in more than 2,500 theaters aco- across the country. In the second weekend out, in fact, it had already quadrupled what was expected to earn. The, the gro- it was it's grossing more than $32 million just in this country alone, domestically. Uh, quote, for a movie pro- projected to make only $7 million on its deba- de- debut weekend, 
Lionsgate and Kingdom Story Companies, Jesus Revolution continues to outperform expectations, Collier said. Now, um, Kelsey uh, recently spoke about his own experience with religion and said that he wouldn't apologize for his faith. He said, quote, I've had hiccups. I've had some tragic times. I've, I have wrestled with those and, and worked my way through them. This is what he told the USA Today. Sometimes rejecting faith, sometimes rejecting God even. And in a period of, of being pretty angry about it, he added, like, where are you? And that kind of thing. But I have come to terms with it and have found great peace in my faith and in Jesus. That's a quote directly from, from Grammar. Now, he also said that it, it's not cavalier. Jesus made a difference in my life. That's not anything that I'll apologize for. Jesus Revolution also landed in the number three spot, believe it or not, at the box office on opening weekend. As previously reported, uh, the, the faith-based film has scored a 99% on Rotten Tomatoes with moviegoers calling it an uplifting movie and more. I mean, 99%, that is huge. Now, Jesus Revolution was a breath of fresh air, said one person, and we are so in need of great Christian films, and the fact that it is historical is a bonus. Thanks for a great experience. Another said that it was an uplifting Christian movie, and we want more movies like this. We want to see movies that have Christian values. So, so tired of, of the darkness in so many movies and, and the evil. And, you know, that, this might be something that you know, Disney might want to uh, kind of open their eyes to a little bit, huh? And, and by the way, you will soon be able to see more of Kelsey Grammer if you, if you like, uh, as he is, uh, he's going to be playing in a, a reboot of his role as Frasier. You might want to look for that uh, coming up. And if you consider yourself pro-life, you probably understand that life begins at conception. With continued technological progress, it often leads to these kind of moral dilemmas. And one such dilemma has centered around frozen embryos, which of course are eggs that have been fertilized and then frozen. Some of these embryos are implanted in women and others are destroyed. And if they are destroyed, is this just another form of abortion? Well, many believe it is. And a Virginia judge ruled last month that frozen embryos can be considered property, a decision based in part on a 19th century slavery law, according to a new report. The ruling was part of a dispute between a divorced couple who both hoped to gain control uh, over two uh, frozen embryos, which were created by Honeyline Honey Heidemann and Jason Heidemann during their their marriage, according to the Associated Press, and they they reported this last week. "Quote: Upon independent research, this court was unable to find any Virginia law prohibiting the purchase or sale of human embryo." nor has either party cited a federal law prohibiting the activity. This is what a Fairfax County Circuit Court Judge Richard um, Gardner uh, wrote in a ruling related to the battle over the embryos. He said, quote, 
as there is no prohib uh, uh, it's not prohibited on the sale of human embryos, they may be valued and sold and thus may be considered goods and chattel within the means of the code. Kind of an interesting ruling here. And since the couple split, Honeyline has hoped to move forward with using the embryos, but Jason has sought to block their uh, block her by saying that that implanting the embryos would quote would force Mr. Heinemann to pro uh, procreate against his wishes and therefore violate his constitutional right to procreational autonomy. <laughs> Again, almost using the same phrasing as the abortionists. Now, according to a 2015 contract that the couple, the couple had, had drawn up, uh, they, quote, own any stored embryos jointly. And while Gardner has not made a decision on Jason's procreational autonomy claim, he did rule that the embryos could be viewed as property and his ruling, in part, uh, relied on the Virginia law from the 1800s that regulated goods and chattel, which included slaves at the time that the law was written. Quote, I would like to think that the bench and the bar would be seeking more modern uh, precedent, you know, is what Solomon Ashby, uh, he's the president of Old Dominion Bar Association, said. Uh, a human embryo is typically frozen very soon after fertilization uh, before the unborn child has been able to develop much. But again, it's still a, uh, it, it's still a fertilized egg. It's still um, something that, uh, that many believe is still a human being. Now, in recent months, some conservatives have considered or voiced support for increasing protection for embryos and and uh, prohibiting the disposal of the embryos as pro-life organizations have often raised concerns about what happens to embryos that do not end up being implanted. And Gardner's ruling to treat embryos as property could draw the attention of pro-lifers who have often compared slavery and abortion um, over their, their callous treatment of human life. Now, I... Speaking of callous life and a callous treatment of human life and really a, a disregard for basic human rights, federal freedoms, uh, fundamental freedoms have been uh, dealt an extreme blow in the parliament of the United Kingdom over in, in England with the passage of a new bill last Tuesday rolling out so-called buffer zones around every abortion facility in England and Wales. Now, the public order bill puts into force 150-meter censorship zones banning any form of influence, get this, including silent prayer and consensual conversations. Now, wherever abortions are performed, this is in effect. The UK, which is the birth of... Uh, place of the, the Magna Carta, actually, and many of the, the foundational freedoms that we enjoy in the West, is now leading the charge on a new era of thought crime persecution. One need only look 
to recent arrests to understand the immense human rights ramifications of, of the new law. Uh, where censorship zones are already in force, they have really in, in, uh, engendered severe violations of the right of free expression. Take, take for example, the viral uh, arrest of, of Isabel uh, von Spruce, who, whose case reveals the state of legal chaos that censorship zones generate. Isabel was the first was first arrested in December for the the crime of standing in peaceful silence, praying on a public sidewalk. Classified, um, th- this was classified as as a censorship zone near uh, Bringingham, England, and and, and the, the abortion facility there. You, you can go on online. You can actually see uh, the YouTube video of this arrest where they are arresting her for for silently praying and just standing there silently praying, not playing it, praying out loud or, or in the face of somebody, you know, going to the abortion clinic or anything like that at all. She's literally up against this, uh, this hedge and on the sidewalk and, and, and the police come and, and arrest her for doing so. Uh, in February, she was acquitted fully in court only to be arrested once again for the, you know, the, the, uh, unthinkable act of silent prayer last Monday again. And at the time of the second incident, the arresting officer commented this. He said, you've said you're engaging in prayer, which is the offense. Yes, that's what he said. The prayer is the offense to which Isabel counters with silent prayer. And his his response to this, he says, you were still engaging in prayer, which is the offense. Censorship zones empower authorities to arrest peaceful individuals on the on the basis of their their thoughts alone, their 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 silent prayers, and, and this is a catastrophic failure of a democratic society where every person should have the right to peaceful expression, not to mention their own thoughts. In, in, in a place of their choosing, particularly if it's, if it's a public place. And Isabel was not alone in what befell her. Catholic priest Father Sean Gao uh, was uh, criminally charged and likewise found not guilty for standing in silent prayer in the same zone as Isabel. Absurdly, he was also charged for having, get this, an unborn lives matter. Bumper sticker. Now, I want that bumper sticker. I think that would be awesome. <laughs> but he had this Unborn Lives Matter bumper sticker on his car, which was parked in the zone. And so he got charged with that as well. Army veteran Adam Smith Connor was fined for silent prayer in Bournemouth, England. Now, Bournemouth offers a particularly outrageous example of censorship zone lunacy. The, the city has in in place of eerily specific ordinance. It's, it, it's ominously posted on, on signposts listing prohibited activities. And these prohibited activities include things like sprinkling holy water, <laughs> kneeling, uh, reading scripture, uh, and, and prayer are, are considered to be an act of, of approval or disapproval towards abortion. Wow. 
Uh, most egregiously, the, the debate over the new nationwide law revealed that pro-censorship members of parliament uh, there in England deem the specific targeting of silent prayer acceptable. Uh, it is no accident that prayer in all of its forms is captured by the new pr- uh, prohibitions. This triggered a parliamentary vote on the amendment to exclude both prayer and consensual conversation from the bill. I mean, can you imagine if you if you you're walking in a certain distance uh, in, in relationship to a, an abortion clinic or something, then you have to stop talking to your friend as you're walking down the sidewalk, right? Or you could be thrown in jail. And and this amendment, they try to take this out. They try to say, okay, look, we're going to take prayer out. We're going to take consensual conversation out. And that amendment failed with a 116 vote uh, in, in favor and 299 against. That's 299 British members of parliament that think that prayer should be an offensive should be offensive and an offense under the law in certain public places. I mean, let that sink in for a moment. Now, no doubt the new law will give rise to countless more abuses, you know, similar to that of Isabel and Father Sean and, and Adam and, and, and those guys. And, and, and peaceful citizens throughout the country are now under real risk of legal sanctions for exercising their most basic right to pray and to think and act in accordance with their, 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 their convictions. And at the same time, parts of the UK are ex, uh, experiencing rapid escalating violent crimes without adequate response from law enforcement. And what happens when already stretched police resources are redirected to patrol prayer? <laughs> I mean, come on. Censorship zones, uh, aficionados, are, are quick to, to cite harassment as justification for these draconian measures. But this is a severe distortion of their, of their real and, and, in, and intended impact. I mean, censorship zones don't buffer women from harassment. Harassment is, is always wrong, which is why it is always fully criminalized under UK law. It is clear that these zones are not about the protection of women. What they do is give the state the power to stifle views that are deemed, well, disagreeable. And in this case, the view that both women and their unborn children are worthy of protection. And today, the, the, silent, the, the silencing power of, of the state in the UK is being leveraged full throttle against the pro-life view. I mean, tomorrow, censorship zones could be, you know, deployed to target another issue altogether. But Parliament has opened the door in this case to ever pro prolific, uh, uh, proliferating the, the, the state censorship in the UK. And, and, and who's to say that the next push won't be for censorship zones around schools or government buildings or another public space deemed to require a protective bubble of some sort. And let, let, the, let, let this be a clear warning to all concerned with the protection of fundamental freedoms. I mean, in the U.S., we must robustly defend our First Amendment protections. The, the thought police are real and standing by, you know, by what, what they believe. And we can see what's happening just simply across, uh, across the pond there. Now, prayer can never be a crime. 
and nobody should be punished for peacefully living and thinking and you know and and in in accordance with what they believe and if you think that our first amendments here in the u.s would never allow this kind of thing well you've not been watching how our rights to free speech uh, are constantly eroded i mean this is why we fight for these god-given rights because if we don't then they'll be taken from us Two of those rights are freedom of religion and freedom of speech. And and Michigan's highest court is considering a rule change that would require judges to refer to attorneys and litigants by their preferred pronouns. Yeah, that's what I said. The Michigan Supreme Court sent a notice on January 18th that it was considering an amendment to rule 1.109 of the Michigan court rules to force courts to comply with attorneys and parties desired pronouns in speech and in writing now over a dozen Michigan judges and attorneys have expressed concerns of course for what the rules implications would mean for free speech and religious liberty quote Parties and attorneys may include any personal pronouns in the name section of the caption, and courts are required to use those personal pronouns when referring to or identifying the party or attorney, either verbally or in writing. This is what the proposed rule states. Michigan judges and attorneys are writing to the court and speaking about the problematic uh, amendment, 12 Michigan Court of Appeals judges signed a letter opposing the proposed rule change and pointing out that the the, the uh, potential legal problems here, such as a, uh, a rule like this would cause, uh, such as a, a bad faith actors using the, the rule for strategic reasons uh, unrelated to the merits of the case like you know the judges uh, questioned if the rule could result in in a judgment being reversed for the the petty offense of mistakenly using the wrong pronoun during the trial now the proposed rule change is another example of the great lakes state's highest courts catering to the demands of the lgbtq community even when those demands challenge the free speech and religious liberty protections guaranteed under the constitution last summer in fact the court ruled in a five to two decision that the state's civil rights protections uh, preventing discrimination on the basis of sex also applied to sexual orientation and gender identity targeting small businesses in the state that are not already subject to federal workplace laws now, there is some time on this. The, the Michigan uh, Supreme Court is receiving comments on the proposed change to Rule 1.109 through May 1st. And a- Andrew uh, McKiernid of the uh, Daily Wire pointed out how one Christian-owned business has been highly successful doing things the right way. Now, I don't know about you, but there, there's, um, there's different businesses out there that I like to, um, like to, to visit, um, partly because I think they do things the right way. And oftentimes these businesses are oftentimes, uh, they turn out to be Christian owned businesses. Uh, they oftentimes will do things the right way. And because of that, their business 
it definitely it end, ends up uh, growing. Um, sometimes if they, um, if, if they get away from those type of things, things go downhill. And so, um, so I wanted to highlight one here, uh, for you today. And, and, and it's, it, it starts out by saying, he, he starts out by saying this in his column. He says, what is conservatism? Well, ask 10 people and you'll get 10 different answers. <laughs> and in our confused American moment, knowing what conservatism is and what it you know, what it isn't will help us cl- just find clarity in invite sanity back into the public square and and give us a better chance to cure what ills our united states now if you're if you're hungry as 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 you listen to this well all the better <laughs> because because i i'm not here to lecture you on the definition of conservatism i'm inviting you to actually taste it. On a recent uh, road trip uh, to California, uh, he said he stopped for dinner at the most northern uh, In-N-Out burger restaurant in America, which is actually in Kaiser, Oregon, which is actually not that far from uh, where this podcast is um, uh, originates. And actually where I grew up um, is there in Kaiser. Uh, he says, as I ate, I realized I was experiencing a living, breathing, intentionally popular, intensely uh, popular American conservatism in action. It wasn't just a meal. It was a primer in, in what it looks like to conserve worthy goals, methods, and values. Order some food, pull up a chair, and let's take a look at what they're doing here. First, in and out Burger conserves worthy goals. When when Harry and Estelle uh, Esther uh, Snyder created the first In-N-Out Burger in 1948, they combined the initiative new idea of the drive-through with the old-fashioned ideas of superior quality and service. Now in doing this, they were catering to two conditions American thinker Russell Kirk considers necessary for the healthy functioning uh, of any society. The the impulse to improve, as well as the impulse to conserve. So in and outs singular priority has always been the customer. New managers receive constant training on the philosophy uh, at their company's headquarters, um, and, and th- th- this is their main goal. And to that end, one of the first things you notice about in and out restaurants is that it's a clean, bright, inviting environment outside and inside. The second thing that you notice is a simple, straightforward menu. <laughs> I mean, it really is. There's no reason for you know, dis- you know decision fatigue and, and a little possibility that the number of, of your favorite combo has changed since your last visit. I mean, it's really straightforward. And you'll also notice the friendliness and the helpfulness of the associates uh, dressed to impress in, in their distinctive red and white uh, team members. Uh, they, they demonstrate unity in their uniform appearance and you won't be distracted by a, you know, a, a statement wearing t-shirt or inappropriate tattoo or unkept hair, for example. Uh, you're also highly likely to enjoy a smile when, when you step up to the counter and as well as when you're served uh, food uh, through the window. In, in today's um, you know, screen-saturated age, good customer service has become somewhat of a rarity. It, it really has. So it's especially appealing uh, to interact with young workers who have the same attitude of gratefulness and cheerfulness. Um, and 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 in 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 and out burger is is so 
committed to things like freshness and that type of thing. I mean, they, their fries are basically the same as from from day one. They're 100 percent potatoes and and they're cooked in sunflower oil. That's it. That's all it is. Um, you know, the 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 thing that that In and Out Burger uh, conserves is is good values. Uh, underneath their cups, um, fry boats and wrappers, the company uh, prints scripture references, not 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 the whole text of the verse, just simply uh, the book, the chapter, the verse. Uh, on on the soda cups, you'll find John three sixteen, for instance, uh, for God so loved the world. Uh, on the wrapper of their famous double double burger, you'll notice. Uh, Nahum 1.7, and, and the reminder that the Lord is a stronghold in the day of trouble. Uh, the subtle family touch began in the 1980s with Richard Snyder, actually son of the founders, and had been expanded by the granddaughter and current C- CEO, uh, Lindsay uh, Snyder. Now, the practice is, is a good nod to, the obviously, the Judeo-Christian faith tradition that undergirds the Americans' founding, and it's a, it's, it's a rare uh, uh, acknowledgement from a successful American company that there's something even greater than profit and even tasty, even a tasty hamburger, even something that we can, we can trust even in difficult and confused times. Conservatism has, has been described as an an inclination to cherish the, the permanent things, timeless Bible verses printed on disposable cups and wrappers bound for the garbage can be a small but effective reminder of such lasting ideals. And, and they remind us that the, the, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but some things just simply endure. And, and, and it's, it's kind of nice to see uh, a, a business like this that, that hasn't really lost its way. It, it is growing because of conservatism and because it knows uh, exactly where it came from and where it's going. And you you may agree with this. You may completely disagree with this. And I would love to hear from you on it. And of course, you can always do that at UncommonSensePodcast.com. Thank you very much for listening. This podcast is a production of Organite Communications.